0: Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat, all you'll need to do is to like our Facebook page and tune in every week. This program is brought to you by The Garden
1: Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature ren, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure, and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To
0: find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, Head to lovethegarden.com.au Hello and welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. I'm Trevor Cochran. We have got another fantastic show for you this Friday afternoon or evening if you're on the eastern seaboard and we are just about to go into another fabulous weekend this From here on, pretty much it just gets better and better and better as far as getting out and getting into the garden goes because the conditions are just so good. It's a general comment. Now, today we'll be streaming right across Facebook and YouTube. So wherever you are watching today, welcome. I know last week we had people uh, tuning in from Texas, from New Zealand, and of course from all over Australia. And this is about your chance to ask questions. So please ask your question. Tell us your place where you ask. So, city or state, ideally both. And of course, make sure that um, if you've got something that requires maybe a little bit of description, post a picture with it so I can actually get a good look at it, particularly identification of pests and so on. Now, tomorrow, which we're all very excited about, the Garden Gurus is back on Channel 9. This is our 30th national season, a 40th season since we actually started first over here in Perth. Uh, today, I'll be speaking with Sue McDougal. Now, Sue, has been with the show for a long, long time. I'll be talking to her about her involvement in it. We'll give you some sneak previews of what's coming up on today's, on tomorrow's program. Love the garden, Well, they'll be joining us a bit later on, sharing a brand new product that's just changed potting mixes. It's a big step forward and it sort of I suppose, it reinforces their commitment to research and development in a time when getting good quality potting mixes is getting quite hard due to the enormous demand that's going on. So many people are into gardening. I've got Rowan from Garden Express joining me a bit later on. He will be sharing their their offer of the week. It's a great offer too with a plant that is just sensational. And later in the program, I'll be sharing with you one of my favourite flowers out of the garden. I've got a whole bunch of them here. They are absolutely gorgeous. Remember, please make sure you tell us your suburb and your state when you're asking questions. And remember, I'll be picking five winners from... The questions that are asked, and you'll be receiving some Mister Fothergill seeds. Wow! So, and oh, there's one more thing. Don't forget to give us a like if you like what we're doing on the show. Like it, and that'll share with your friends as well, and we we'll get more people following us. First, let's get into some questions, and then we'll uh, maybe catch up with Rowan. But we've got Keith from More Park, More Bank in uh, New South Wales. Now, Keith's got a lychee tree. It's about eight foot tall. And last year, we had the first crop, but this year, nothing. So I was wondering, do they fruit every few years or what? And the answer, Keith, is that lychees tend to be a biennial fruiter. So you get good crops one year and the next year, you'll only get a few fruit. Um, One of the most amazing fruit. And if you're wondering what the most eaten fruit on the planet is, well, the first one is grapes, but you know that a large amount of that is not necessary for table, but possibly for wine. The one that is eaten more than anything else, it's not apples, it's not oranges, it is lychees. So um, beautiful tree, just love them and there's nothing quite like fresh lychees. Tracy has written into, us, not sure where you're from, Tracy, so please, folks, let us know where you are, but she's got an eight-year-old Manchurian pear tree. Tree. now it's one of 13 and she's pleached them which is where you prune up the bottom and you basically have a squared off top so you can imagine this is a formal effect it's really important and they run around the border of a property now one tree suddenly its leaves are paled and they seem to be short of chlorophyll and when she contacted the local nursery they recommended super fertilizing with multi-d rooster booster with trace elements now this has made no difference and I'm going to tell you, I I don't know that that was the best suggestion. So Rooster Booster is a chicken-based fertiliser. It's meant to be high in nitrogen. But what it does do is sometimes it affects your pH. And there could be a problem here. Looking at these photos, you can see the leaves are what we call chlorotic. They're they're lacking uh, chlorophyll in them. And... That's generally an indication of a couple of things. One is obviously a deficiency in nutrients, in key nutrients. The greening nutrients are magnesium, iron and nitrogen. Those ones are all really important in a plant. Now, if your pH, if if you've gone very, very alkaline in your soil and sometimes in gardens we're finding people have dug a hole, dumped some lime in the bottom of that hole and it could be because they were you know, doing plastering or something like that, and the tree's on top. And if it hits that, that could just burn the roots and you'll get this effect. The other thing that causes this effect is fungal diseases of root systems. And I suspect that this is what it is because when you look at the branches, the plant has been dying backwards, which is a really big problem. Now, what can you do to save it? Definitely not feeding. That's definitely not the way I would go just at this moment in time. What I think you need to do is soak the ground with a product from Yates called Anti-Rot. And I mean, really give it a good soak. And the hope is that if there is some kind of fungal infection of the root system, that we will kill that off as a consequence of the treatment using Yates Anti-Rot. But the immediate thing you want to do is stimulate new root growth, but not doing it using fertilisers. This is where you'll use something like Seasol. So this is a soil tonic and it stimulates really good root growth and recovery of those fine fibrous roots that do all the feeding. I think that's going to help. I think the other thing you're going to need to do is prune back the branches to where the leaves are. And if you apply now and you apply your sea soil probably once every two or three weeks, um, continuously probably for the next three months before the tree officially goes dormant, you're in with a chance of saving it. But it's, um, it's not actually a... Um, it's not a good problem. It's not a good problem to have. The tree doesn't look like it. It may survive. So, that's all I could suggest you could do. Now, Leone from Adelaide has asked a very good question. She's looking for a plant that will be flowering over the next few months. That would be great in a large pot under a veranda. And there's two that come to mind. The first one would be symbidium orchids, which traditionally flower in May. The second one is one that I'm going to talk to Rowan about at Garden Express very soon. and That's clivias. The the clivia or clivia. Um, they actually do very, very well in that environment, and some of them are quite early flowering. So we'll uh, we'll share that special offer with you a little bit further on. Um, uh, Christine, I think Christine is from Perth. If it's a Christine, I'm thinking, She says hi, Trevor, and everybody at Guru Productions joining the program from Dunsborough. Dunsborough is in the southwest of WA. Absolutely beautiful part of the world. Good on you, Christine. Thanks for joining us. Francis has also joined us now. Uh, Francis we're not quite sure where you're from but uh, you've asked when's the right time to prune citrus trees now you can prune citrus all year round but for most of the citrus they're coming into fruit right now so you don't want to be pruning them because you're going to be taking fruit off the tree what I would recommend you do is you always feed and prune your trees after you've harvested the crop that's the best time it's a good rule with all citrus Elizabeth is in Scarborough. Scarborough is in WA. It's a beautiful beachside suburb. Most people will know it. It is very famous. Um, Elizabeth, can I transplant a one-meter frangipani now? Elizabeth, I would leave it for another two months until they're just starting to to lose their leaves. As it gets colder, they'll start to drop their leaves. But right now they're in the peak of growth, and I would leave it um, for risk of damaging the root system and the plant not recovering. Michelle. Now, Michelle's in coastal... Southern Victoria. She's got a pear that still still has fruit. It's almost ready to pick and it started flowering should you cut the flowers off. Don't worry about cutting the flowers off. It is unusual, but it's often caused by changes in temperature. So when we get abnormally cool days, which we've just had in Victoria this week, um, sometimes that'll trigger an early flower burst. Unfortunately, those flowers are not going to produce fruit. So cutting the flowers off won't make any difference at all. Um, and really, the only thing you want to worry about now is picking the fruit. Let the tree continue to grow. Hopefully, it'll produce some more flowering budwood for the dormant period, and you'll end up with good crop uh, this time next year. Carol is in the Mornington Peninsula, one of my favourite places in Victoria. Beautiful part of the world. For the last two years, she's had no success in tomatoes ripening now you've rotated your two garden beds but to no avail help now i'm not sure whether what you're saying is that tomatoes are remaining green because some varieties do stay green um, or whether they're falling off and being damaged before and if you've got a photograph carol it would really help me an awful lot Um, one thing with tomatoes in sandy soils the mornington peninsula definitely has some of those is that uh, they can get root nematodes And uh, the only way to realize that you have it is to pull the plants up and have a look at it. But if you're not getting fruit off the plant, you might as well rip them out, have a look at those roots. And if they've got little nodules all up and down them, it's root nematode. The way to get rid of it, well, there's a few different treatments, but a simple one is to use um, sugar. So you can do it in the form of molasses and you water it into the soil and what it does is it forces the nematodes to literally burn out. They dehydrate and shrivel. So it's a really good way to actually get control of, um, of that kind of problem. But the truth of the matter is you shouldn't be planting tomatoes in that ground anymore if you do have nematodes. You need to leave it for a while. Now, I mentioned my mate Rowan. Now, he's taken over from David Van Burkel today at Garden Express. Rowan Peterson is the marketing manager and uh, it's great to have you join us, Rowan. How are you doing, mate? I'm well, Trevor. Thanks for having us. And how's the um, weather over there at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's it's nice. We had a little bit of rain last night, but it's been pretty good. It's cooled down. It was quite hot last week, but it's cooled down a little bit. So it's just just pleasant,
0: which is good. I absolutely love where Garden Express is located, where your office is right now. It's absolutely beautiful. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: So we're, we're located in Mombok, uh, which is uh, in the um, the Yarra Ranges of uh, Victoria, Um we're on. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too sure exactly how much, but it's. It's nice. To look out the window and see the nursery rather than you know a brick wall or a, an adjacent
0: building. It's yeah. It's yeah. it's a not, It's a nice place to be working. It's magnificent. You've got beautiful trees all around. There's those magnificent Dixonia Antarctica tree ferns growing in along the creek edges all through there. One of my yep. favourite parts of the world to go for a drive. It's just gorgeous. Um, well, you guys have been pretty busy,
1: haven't you? We've been flat out. It's uh, it, it hasn't kind of let up, which is which is really good. It's a great problem to have. Um, you know, coming out of COVID or or all, all last year, we were we were flat out with all the new gardeners. Um, obviously, we we deliver direct to people's doors, um, and it and it hasn't stopped. So we're right in the uh, the middle of our uh, spring bulb season. So when we're selling uh, all of our bulbs ready for spring, um,
0: and yeah, we. Uh, we, we're really busy which is which is great which is fantastic but it does cause a little problem because i know that every time you're putting offers up at the moment they're selling out in a short period of time because I, i've got friends who are complaining going, oh you know I, I got in but i was a bit too late and it seems that you still somehow or other managed to find some extra stock eventually to be able to cater for those orders but it is a big problem they're selling out really quickly aren't they
1: we do our best we do our best to um obviously replenish those stocks but sometimes uh, it, it's difficult. We uh, and and you know you got your your listeners or, or viewers are, um, jump on these these offers really quickly. So um, yeah, if you if you're interested in whatever we're offering, I suggest you know getting in as quickly as you possibly back
0: can. Fast. Well, look, you know what? There's a very unique opportunity today because the Garden Guru starts back on nine nationally tomorrow. We're really excited to be back. But of course, you guys continue your support of the program, and we're really thrilled with that, and and very much appreciate uh, the the team, at Garden Express backing us every year. You've been doing it for years now, and it's a fabulous thing. But we're going to give viewers of the Garden Gurus Live the inside running, aren't we? You're gonna you're gonna offer. We are.
1: We are. We're going to uh, offer this one a little bit early, uh, so. You guys that are watching the live show now can uh, can get in before the rest of the country, which
0: is uh, which is a bit unique. <laughs> so we, we've talked about spring flowering bulbs recently, but um, the bulbs that are suited to to many parts of Australia, particularly the hot, dry locations in Australia, are those that originate from South Africa. And one yeah. that you know, I suppose it's a bulb. It's a it's a perennial, if you like, but absolutely gorgeous, uh, and I just love them is what's known as the fire lily or kaffa lily or clivias. And they're really hard to get your hands on, but you guys have managed to get some stock. Yeah,
1: well, we've had several conversations this year about uh, how hard it is to be able to get hold of these things and we've been searching uh, growers all around the country to try and get hold of some stock and we've been able to, which is great. We've actually got uh, three colours. We've got a beautiful red one, uh, which is a Belgian hybrid. We've got a yellow uh, and we've got an orange uh, at the moment, which are all uh, yeah really good. You can actually see one just here behind me. Um, yep. the, the sort of size plants that we're that we're offering, in a one forty mil pot, which is really beautiful.
0: Yeah, and they'll flower, I reckon, in, almost in the first year. They're a really good size. Those plants. Yeah, they are a good size because
1: that's uh, that's the other thing with uh, with Colibias is you know they do they do need to mature before they flower. Um, yeah, but they're a, they're a great size. So yeah, hopefully if you if you grab hold of them, you. Chop, pop them in the ground. They will, uh, they will flower. You know, so, first or second Ron, year, which is.
0: Let, let, let's not leave people hanging. What you're doing is you're selling uh, a, what you're calling um, the Clivia Duo. It's a pack of two, right? Tell us about the deal. Yeah, that's right. So you get the yellow one, the the yellow one
1: that I just showed you, and on uh, yeah. also a red one. Um, the deal is thirty seven dollars for the two. Uh, you saw the size of the plants. Uh, wow. That's a twenty percent off. Uh, discount regularly
0: 46, 46.80. That's, that's amazing. That's a great saving. So this is your chance to get started. And for those people who don't know, once your clivias get going, you can actually split them up and start moving them around and expanding the, the lines. But this is one of the best plants you can ever, grow in a pot in a you know under a balcony or under a you know some kind of eaves or in those kinds of locations but of course the other thing and I know that I've got Sue McDougall joining us a bit later on in the program and I know one of the stories that I've seen Sue doing talks about growing um, growing plants in a shady spot and this is one of those rare plants that does incredibly well under the canopy of trees as well so incredibly hardy drought hardy tolerant spectacular flowers when they come in and they can flower from sort of late autumn all the way through to sort of late spring. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if
1: you've got a shady, slightly dry area, these are the these are the the
0: plants to get. And 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 as you said, they uh, they have a beautiful show. So, Rowan, so we've got the deal. It's it's two for thirty seven bucks. Um, yep. But tell us, how do people place their order? And tell us a little bit, you guys, you know, this is the great thing about Garden Express is you actually deliver it to your doorstep.
1: Yeah, so jump online. Jump online to uh, www.gardenexpress.com.au. Um, place your order, really easy, um, and we will ship it straight out to you. These are ready now, as you can see, uh, ready now to ship. So, uh, yeah, we'll get it straight out to you. Uh, directly
0: to your door. That is awesome, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. You get out and go and have a uh, have a nice weekend. I know David's already out there with the red wine, sitting on the balcony with his feet up. So True. you might as well go and join him. Yeah, I, I might just do that. Um, and congratulations on twenty
1: years. Uh, we It's yeah. a pleasure to be involved with the show. Um, we have been for a number of years, as you mentioned. So from Dave, myself, Jenny and the rest of the team at Garden Express are heartfelt congratulations.
0: Wonderful. Thanks, mate. It was really appreciated. Your support is what's got us there and and that, of course, of of all the people that that watch the show. So thanks very much. Have a great weekend. Excellent. You too.
2: Visit the Garden Guru's online store and browse through a collection of high quality German-made wolfgarten tools. You'll also find a range of books with information to help create and maintain a beautiful garden. You can also access the online store on the Garden Gurus Facebook page. Use the code Gurus for free shipping on orders over $30. Offer ends 31st of October.
0: Alright, let's get on with some questions because we've got a lot coming through. Philip's in Hobart. He's got a little gem magnolias. The flower buds are turning brown before the opening. Now, what could be causing it? I can tell you right now, Philip, I've had the same problem in my garden and it is thrips. So they love getting into those magnolia little gem flowers and what they do is they basically scratch it and they scar it before it can open so it literally turns brown and oxidises before it opens properly. Now, the solution, you will actually see a story on this weekend show about these insects, these natural um, mites that predate the the thrips and it's really important to think about trying to control these bugs in a natural way and the reason is, is because... Um, thrips and and also mites have this remarkable ability to um, absorb chemicals and those that survive, um, they become more and more tolerant of them. So they become resistant to the treatments and some of these treatments for thrips and mites are pretty pretty full-on treatments, not the sort of thing that you really want um, to be spraying around in the garden. So if you've got the choice between avoiding sprays and bringing in natural predatory bugs and not, well, I would be going for the natural predatory bugs and avoid the spray. So if you want to know more about that, simply watch this weekend show, The Garden Guru's at 4.30 on 9, and you will see um, the company that we're featuring, They've, they just do amazing work. And this is the future, I think, for us with regards to bug control in our gardens. Hopefully that helps. And, and please remember, if you like what we're talking about, if you like the questions I'm answering, if you like our guests Give us a like. It uh, shares it with all your friends and it means that we can kind of reach more people. Jenny is in Melbourne. Hello, we've been given a crepe myrtle tree. Will this tree grow well in a pot? Well, the answer is yes, it will. Crepe myrtles do grow really well in pots and there's a huge variation in crepe myrtles. So there's some actual beautiful little dwarf forms that make wonderful little mini hedges Right through to quite large trees, and they can get seven, sometimes eight meters with a similar sort of spread, uh, with some of the old-fashioned varieties. So it'll depend on the type, but once you grow it in a pot, it'll contain the root system, which will contain the size of the canopy of the tree. So I hope that helps, Jenny. Uh, Consuelo in Sydney, hello, welcome back. It's lovely to to have you join us. I'd like to know how often I can use Aquasol. I really enjoy the program. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Consello. Now, look, um, interesting thing about Aquasol, it's a liquid fertiliser. It's extremely effective. So um, it's soluble. You mix it into a watering can. You water it over the foliage and the plant actually draws the nutrients in through its leaves. This is great. It's a really good thing to to sort of think about um, if you're trying to get really spectacular, fast growth results from plants. So if you're trying to get your garden to develop quickly, this is a great way to do it. The typical sort of time frame of, of using this, so you would apply it and then within seven days, the, the plant's intake of the nutrient will be at its absolute peak. Within 10 days, it's on the decline. So every 10 days, if you're applying Aquasol, your plants will be growing at their ap- absolute optimum performance. It's a very, very cool thing. Thanks very much for your kind words. Arjun is in Sydney. Hello, Arjun. What are good types of fish for medium-sized garden ponds that can also handle the cold weather? Well, koi is the first one that comes to mind. Koi carp are sensational. They're beautiful. They're extremely hardy. They really can tolerate all kinds of extremes, and um, that would be the first thing I would suggest. There is a whole bunch of other fish that you can grow, some edible fish like um, Australian perch. Um, They're fantastic. You've also got things like... uh, uh during the winter you can if you've got reasonably cool water you can grow trout um there's all sorts of things and the best thing to do is actually get into your local water garden specialist there's some really good ones in sydney um so maybe check out our website if you're looking for one that is closest to you our plant of the week i'm getting very excited because soon. One of my dear friends, I was not going to say old friends, and she's not old, but uh, she's very dear, Sue McDougall's joining us. But I thought I'd just quickly show you what I'd been picking in my garden this morning. Brought them in to keep uh, Michaela happy because she loves beautiful flowers. And uh, this is the dahlia. And you can just see there are so many different types of dahlias. And this is a little representation of of some of the plants that uh, the bulbs that I got from or corms I got from Garden Express, they come in all different sizes from giant, big, bold reds to these tiny little pom-poms. And it's just such a hardy, easy-to-grow plant. I can't recommend that you grow them enough. And mine are just coming into their own at the moment. So they they had an early sort of early summer flowering and then i had an outbreak of uh, western flower thrip, and it really ruined the flowers they started getting this burnt kind of effect to them and it was when i introduced predatory insects now the predatory insects are on top i'll show you what the actually what the damage looks like because i picked one stem just to show you it's very hard to find them now because the plants are growing out of it but i'll just pull this out if i can without breaking things um but if you have a look at these leaves, you'll see that they're deformed. They're not happy. There's some burn marks on them. So this is classic thrip damage. And uh, the predatory insects, once they get the balance right, they start. They take over and they start eating those thrips, those western flower thrips. In this particular instance. And it stops them from doing all the damage. So the damage is evident in the flowers, but also very evident, obviously, in the foliage, the new soft foliage as it develops. So this is a great way to get control of it. So you will see some more about that on the show. But to be quite honest, um, as we go into the autumn, the dahlias in my garden are just spectacular. And I'll be featuring them at some point through the coming series. It's not the time to be planting the corms. It's certainly time to make sure that you're keeping your eye out for them on um, the Garden Express uh, website, but they won't be coming out till later in the year. Uh, Now is the time to be enjoying the flowers. So that's my plant of the week daily and I have been asked to make sure I put my arms down too because Michaela is just watching. Sorry about that. I will sit upright. I've got my very good friend uh, Sue McDougall joining us. Now, Sue has been doing radio on Radio 6PR forever, but she's also been with us with the Garden Gurus. Sue, we were just talking about dailies, those beautiful dailies and how you love them. Um, you had a great story about your grandma's carob bean tree.
3: Yeah, certainly, Trevor. The carob tree, they used to be stored underneath the carob tree. And I remember as a kid these dahlia plants being higher than me. And yeah. the carob tree and the smell of the pods just absolutely fantastic. So, very soft spot. And when you're traveling around gardens around the world, you see them. They are just so fantastic. And I just, even a pun of the seedlings this year I've grown, they're
0: beautiful. Mm yeah well you know what there's the thing that i love about the dailies in my garden is the diversity of flower shape and size and color it's just spectacular and you know some of them are enormous then you've got those beautiful little pom-poms that i just showed before and and they're dainty and delicate and just so beautiful
3: yeah they certainly are and the tree dahlia the first winds always of the winter no, well, I would say autumn knocks them around. So you know, you know that winter's going to change when the daily or the weather's changing when the daily dahlias come into flower. Yeah.
0: Now you know what, um, Sue? When did we first? When did we first have you on the Garden Gurus? What was the year?
3: Oh, Trevor, I'm not sure, but I think it was when. Actually, I do remember. It was 2001. Um, my 2001. that was then Claire. Exactly, Claire's now was born then and i think it was may 2001 i only remember because i've got a photo of the first day i went to shoot with her and it's one of those one of those times that i'll just think oh she's just turned 20 trevor so That's it's so
0: quite amazing <laughs> so I, I was just about to say you um if it was 2001 you were only 16 but i'm not going to say that in oh. the context of you revealing claire because oh, she'll be upset or maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, maybe it was 2001 i'm not sure trevor you've been around for Twenty years—it so might not have even been that long. It might have been when George was young. It's been a long while. I could be totally wrong.
0: And you've covered so many different stories over the years. There's been so much that you've done. Have you got a favourite stories? A favourite place you've visited?
3: Uh, every year's my favourite, and I think some of the some of the spaces. I always say that, and I, I just get inspired by the garden owners, the passion that they have. I mean, I remember Orlando when we went down to to yeah. Dwelling Up, wasn't it? We saw some beautiful trees in that area and it's inspired the garden just having a dam and that much space. I yeah. I just think of the opportunity of visiting Singapore and seeing the International Garden Festival, what's happening there. I think yeah. it opens up your eyes to what's actually available just in our local our local um backyard
0: and i think we're so blessed you and i to have the opportunity to present these stories because we do get to go into people's backyards we get to see amazing gardens great events like that singapore that was the very first singapore international flower and garden show that was a that was a pretty big highlight on my my reel as well Tell me what uh, – I know you've got a whole bunch of stories. I've actually seen some of them coming through the system. Tell me some of your stories that are coming up in this season.
3: Oh, looking forward to it so much. Seen a beautiful garden. You've just got to um, tune in to see where we've filmed this year, local to where I live. I live in the hills, of course, and where where it's quite warm, where it's quite um, – dry. I say you need a crowbar to dig a hole at the moment, Trevor, but just a shade of trees. I've just been really focusing on on developing the resources in the garden and using yep. the leaves in the garden uh, today. Uh, today, I've been filming today, which was just come back from that, and talking about oh. herbs, what we can grow in our gardens at this time of the year. Autumn, I always get this great sense of anticipation in autumn. I always get excited about what the season's going to be like and then sometimes get a little bit let down in spring when it doesn't rain, but I always have this this feeling that this year is going to be a great year, so I, I can't yeah. wait.
0: As we're talking, we're playing a highlights reel, and there's a great story you do there about shady spots. One of the questions I get asked about a lot at the moment is that, you know, as we're moving to the peak of summer and the sun's always so high in the sky, under the shade of trees is where plants, a lot of plants, really struggle to get going. And you've got some great advice in this particular episode.
3: Yeah, I do, and it's always something that I'm passionate about. We want we we encourage gardeners, don't we? To, Plant trees it's mm. nature's natural air conditioner but then always frustration about what to do and how to grow and you talked Clivia's earlier Trevor one of my yeah. favorite areas for dry area shade so what do we need to do to keep plants growing great story I was so excited to be able to present it because dry area shade as our garden grows it changes so much and you've got the competition of the tree roots trying yeah. to re-establish your garden and I think gardens like fashion we do need to change what's happening so I always say to people don't expect it to be there forever it will change what was shady last you know last week a tree branch could come down and suddenly it's in full sun and and opposite we plant all these trees when we're establishing a garden or large plants turn around 10 years and they are actually really deep shade and then you wonder why nothing grows so Soil. I say gardening is all about the soil, Trev. I know we talk about the plants, but it is about the soil. Yeah,
0: there's no doubt about it. And you've got some great advice with that. Now, tell me about your garden because, you know, we we often sort of see you pop up in, in something that you've been doing in your own backyard. But tell us about your garden and what you're doing at the moment.
3: Oh, what I'm doing at the moment, I've got two rogue sheep, can you believe that, that are actually <laughs> in my garden. So everything's trimmed up to, you know, waist high. And I was just chasing them out of the veggie patch before, Trevor and it's Uh like they are happy they are so fat you know they're this wide and the lamb should not even be there it shouldn't be with its mum but every now and again in the afternoon it loses its mum and it's the end of the world so my garden is we are situated on five acres in the hills i just absolutely love it we're in a unique position but everywhere where you need to have a crowbar to dig a hole that's always the case and you fill a little bit of water and and then uh, when I say let come back half an hour later and dig a hole. But no rock, which is exciting. So in my garden we've just re-pulled everything out of the veggie garden at the moment. I've got mm-hmm. mint taking over like you wouldn't believe. So The Veggie garden's being revamped.
0: Sue, lamb goes very very well with (laughs) me.
3: Everyone keeps threatening that, exactly. (laughs) I was thinking that they've sort of got a slight lemon mandarin flavor at the moment, I'm (laughs) sure. So, (laughs) I
0: I don't know whether it uh, understands, but I'd explain it to it. It might just stay away from the garden thereafter. If you're, you're,
3: I say that if they know what's good for them, Trevor, that's what I say too. Um,
0: I I did. i didn't yeah. tell you my favorite plant was was at the moment was dahlia in my garden what's the favorite in your garden
3: that's actually looking beautiful at the moment i just went out and i just took some photos while i was chasing the sheep away at the moment the naked lilies are looking amazing you know the pink mm. one they just what i call always i just went my goodness they have had no water over summer trevor and they come up and flower and you think where has that come from the best water-wise plants. So you know, if you've got people who say they can't garden, there's no water in summer, they just pop up. Here they are, and they say, "Look at me." In where I live, the season's always about three or four weeks later, up to yep. four weeks later than than other areas. So and it's very yeah. cold in winter. And the other one of my favorites is a ruby lime, which I'm itching, waiting. It's one of the native limes. It was planted probably when the garden Guru started. <laughs> and it was a rogue plant from a nurseryman who said, oh, I don't know what to do with these. And I said, much of my garden is is built on that. And yeah. I put that in and they're looking amazing. And then, oh, once you start me on favourites, Trev, you're just going to have to mute my mic because <laughs> <laughs> I've got the ground covering banksia um, blechnum, oh, wow. which is, it, it is just amazing. It's just spread three metres around the place and wow. it's just out of this gorgeous habitat. So I've got a couple of grafted verticordias that are stunning and we imported a lot of sand in a certain position and, you know, I get favourite. And Mowry, they do, I've they got do a, well in that they, situation? They, they do better. do really well in that situation They um, because we got a lot of coarse river sand. So we dug out a lot of clay and created this this river sand area, this riverbed. And the erycephala, which is a cabbage verticordia, which, you know, I'm a little bit soft my heart is a bit soft to those because it's where i grew up they grow naturally and yeah. so they've yeah. done fantastic with no care and consolidating the water of course is always always a big highlight isn't it but i look out and i see the beautiful trees and i see you know i've got new Zealand, new south wales christmas tree the sara petal I'm looking amazing every every summer and i just yeah. go oh figs are looking Stunning! Anyone want some figs? Come to my place because I've got yeah. so many
0: yeah. figs. So the sheep like I've those too. I've got to pick a few at my place in the next twenty four hours, otherwise the birds are going to, I think, ruin the rest of them. Sue, So now, look, you're you're back on back on the Garden Gurus uh, tomorrow at four thirty on nine, but you're you're also on radio here in WA on Radio Six PR, aren't you?
3: Yeah, I certainly am. I do gardening. I've been doing gardening there for, since before the kids were born. So that was a long time, um, 26 years, coming up 27 years that I've been doing radio. Wow. And so so um, I always, oh, I love it. I do love it. I think it's such a great medium to be able to communicate to people about plants and drive that passion about plants. I've been really lucky to have the opportunity. So Sunday and Sunday, Trev, tune in, 6 o'clock on Sunday and Sunday. So maybe I'm the silly one because I'm the only one that gets up early on the weekends. (laughs) No,
0: you, you don't mind that. You've been doing it for a long time. And I wanted to ask you, of all the questions you've got asked over the years, is there one about a passion fruit or a lemon that you've missed out on so far? Because I know you get asked no. a lot about passion fruit and lemons.
3: <laughs> it certainly is. And I think mangoes is taking over. Do you find that as well? I think, mm. I'm thinking that mangoes are definitely um, taking over because they're a tree that grows so beautifully in Perth Gardens. And yeah. so, and I'd say now, Trev, mangoes are up there with the best of them.
0: Wow, that's interesting. I, um, I was actually going to do my... Um, my favourite tree next week being the golden shower tree, but I think I might do uh, might do mangoes. That's a good one to bring up. There's nothing quite like yeah. it. Actually, my golden shower tree's got a whole bunch of naked ladies underneath it as well. They're just all popping up at the moment. They look fabulous.
3: Yeah, they don't need very much care. So if you're a beginner gardener, never grown anything, they are definitely one of one of the top. My top picks.
0: Yeah, I think the trick is treat them mean, keep them keen, right? <laughs> Maybe.
3: Well, that's what's happened to mine. And the sheep don't (laughs) like them, anyone who's interested. Mm,
0: All right. Well, look, Sue, thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to listening to you on radio because I'm lucky enough to have you around the corner. And I think people can actually tune into 6PR online from anywhere around the world if they want to. So that's um, something that you might want to Google or do a quick search. But thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow on the show and very soon in person.
2: Take care. Thanks, Trev. Garden Express are Australia's leading mail-order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on The Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure after today's show, you jump online and visit their website.
0: Well, that's Sue McDougall. She is just for Now, when we started The Garden Gurus back in 2001, late 2001, can you believe it? Um, I had a partner. In, in the business, in the, in the show, who uh, was a mentor and a great friend and still is today. And we were very lucky, as a consequence of COVID, uh, to get Nev to break himself away from all the talks he was doing around the community and come and start doing some presenting. So here's a little preview of what's coming up with Neville Passport.
1: This Saturday on The Garden Gurus, I'm going to be talking chilies, how to grow them and how to enjoy them. And we'll be talking about a number of varieties available from Swan Valley Nursery in your local garden centre. We've got the mild, we've got the hot, and we've got the incendiary. In that category is this one here, habanero, one of my absolute favourites. So don't miss
0: us Saturday on The Garden Gurus. Well, there you go. Neville Passmore, he will be appearing again throughout this series. Um, It's great to have him back on the show. So much experience and such a lovely person too. Shall we answer some questions for you? I'm sure you want them. And, of course, don't forget you can win one of these fabulous packets of seeds from the guys at Mr Fothergill's who we really appreciate supporting us with this. Um, the first one we've got, we're going to go to Victoria. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk to Ryan's question. he has got a ficus burgundy. It's sprouted from the side of the main plant. It's been growing very slowly. The main plant, however, has completely stopped growing from last autumn, just before the winter. Uh, and you've been feeding it for the last few months, but with no avail. How do you get the main plant? Uh, I think what you mean is how do you get the main plant to grow again? Well, this is really interesting. So the closer you are to the roots that are in the soil, any buds that take off from that area, they have the, they have the, the immediate access to the nutrients and moisture. So they are going to what they, what we call sucker. So they're going to sucker up and grow really fast. And if there's a bud that takes off from there, it will outgrow the top plant. In fact, it's sucking up all the goodness, and that's why the top plant, the main trunk, is not growing anymore. If you want this to take off, you're gonna have to cut this bit off. It's really important. So remove those suckers from around the base. Um, Ideally, because it's a rubber tree, if you you pull it away, so this is a ficus, pull it away, you're gonna kind of tear it. It's pretty hard to get a nice clean cut. What I would suggest you do is actually just grab some secateurs and cut it as close as you possibly can to the trunk. And then if you see any little shoots start to appear after that cut has been made, um, just break them away with your thumb. So just push them away uh, and break them off. And what will happen now is all that goodness that was going into that side shoot will now go back up into the middle and you'll see new growth emerge out the top. I hope that helps. Ryan, that should be a reasonably good explanation as to what's going on. Um, we've got Denise in Forest Lake in Brisbane in Queensland. Can you recommend bulbs for the subtropics? No frost? Well, straight away obviously um clivias i think that the best clivias that i've seen in australia to be quite honest the best i reckon are in queensland in fact i would think that um i would think the roma street gardens probably have some of the most spectacular displays so certainly clivias are ideal there are a whole range of um of, of bulbs that are really good like that. And narines are another example. But you, yeah, the best thing to do is to head into your local garden centre talk to your horticulturalist in there because there's always somebody qualified in your local garden center and they'll tell you about what's performing best in your local area it will really help a lot denise i hope that helps you up in queensland shay we're not sure where you are unfortunately but it's probably okay in this instance because it's an indoor plant you've got an anthurium it's turning yellow after transplanting it from hydroponics to soil and why is this well it's probably more likely that it's transplant shock. Uh, They don't like like disturbance, root disturbance. They really don't have a very comprehensive root system. They do like um, being able to get watered maybe twice a week. If your soil is heavy, um, so tends to be hydroponic mixes are very open and coarse and and porous. Uh, That's really the ideal scenario for this type of plant. If it gets into heavy soil, it can become saturated and waterlogged and those roots don't like that. They do like it to be nice, a nice coarse mixture with bark and so on. That could be it. It could be it's drying out. It could be it's getting too much water, but it will be one of those two extremes and only you will know, Shay. So I hope that helps. Jan is in Burragoon in WA. That's in the Perth metro area. She's got a Westringia blue gem hedge and it's starting to die. Is it true that Westringia only lasts five years? They're actually quite long-lived Westringia. They're certainly, uh, you'd be expecting to get a lot more than five years out of it. What's probably happening, I would suggest, if you're seeing sort of dieback at the moment, you're probably getting stress. And this could be caused by the plants being close together. Perth has had some particularly... <laughs> excuse me, humid weather, like really humid weather that's causing sort of fungal problems and diseases and it could be something in that space. So my suggestion would be that you prune out the deadwood um, with your secateurs and that you soak the ground with a wetting agent. I think that, that that will help you a lot. But look, if you do find that you've got them dying off, the easiest thing to do is to remove them and plant again. I think that might Uh, Might be the way to go. Um, Let's go to Melbourne, Steve. Hello, Steve. Uh, This is—is it the 64th millionth time you've been asked? But what do you prune back? uh, I think what do you prune or how do you prune back a lemon tree? And by how much? That's a good question. I I hope that um, I hope that this is a tree that is just getting a little bit scraggly and just needs a little bit of love because. If your tree's the right size, you don't have to prune a lemon tree. But if it's getting quite large, and certainly the Eureka variety is one that can get quite a big tree, um, you can take it back by about 25%. Um, we've got a, a uh, YouTube uh, question coming from Ex- Excude1 in Perth. I've got a MacArthur palm that says uh, full sun, uh, that you've just purchased now you planted in a position that gets a few hours of harsh sun now it's got burnt leaves should i keep up the watering actually to be quite honest that's the only way you're going to get this palm through they do need it to be warm they don't like it to be cold and um, it would have come i'm um, almost 100 certain this palm would have been brought down from queensland or darwin into perth this often happens around the country parts get moved around Um, And it's not used to that sort of harsh, you know, dry sun that we get. So skewed one, I think that the solution will be keep up the watering and hopefully it bounces back. Earlier this week, I spoke with the technical director at Evergreen Garden Care. His name's Andrew O'Carrigan, lovely guy. What he doesn't know is not worth knowing. And I asked him about how they've introduced a brand new material into their potting mixes that's making all the world of difference to how they perform. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Now, look, it's a really fascinating time. We've been through so many challenges in the last year with COVID-19 impacting the world and particularly the gardening world, but in ways that probably many of us never dreamed. And one of the things I've been fascinated about has been potting mixes because there's been a huge increase in demand for potting mixes, but what most people don't understand is the science, the technology and all the work that's done before it ever makes it into a blend that lands in a bag. Nobody knows that better yeah. than Evergreen. So supply of good quality composted organics has been a big challenge for the whole industry, but not for you guys. And you've been innovating as well.
4: Yeah, Trevor, we would, um, we would say it's been quite a, an amazing time for Evergreen Garden. We've got products which you know in uh, Bunnings and in our independent garden centres that are really at the uh, the top of their game and we need to maintain that performance. So like you say, we're being challenged not just with our health, but also with the supply and availability of those prime ingredients, which are pine bark and some of our wood waste materials. So a um, couple of episodes ago that I filmed with you, we came up... Um, We've got a new material that we've been putting into some trials and we didn't want to sort of go go into that expose too much, but we have been able to now register a trademark name for this new ingredient and we're calling it Envirofiber. And Envirofibre that we trialled is a unique ingredient. It's actually the, the pine, the centre of the pine tree, which is the pithwood, yeah. And that goes through a chip process and it's sustainable. It's locally sourced within our own country. And we run that through a high pressure steam extrusion process and it opens up the wood fibres. And so I've got a little sample here. Uh, This is in the dish, the material that we're talking about, and it's a fluffed bark. So it's had all of its uh, fibres opened up and it gives really high um, surface area to the material. And when you incorporate that in with your pine barks, it opens up the the compost uh, structure. So you get more air, you get more water into your plant and it allows that root ball to take up nutrition a whole lot better and it's it's a fascinating ingredient.
0: This is a a, a thing that I, I don't think too many gardeners realise is how much science goes into a bag, a potting mix. So if you're looking at a bag and it's going to cost you $15 or whatever it costs, um, you probably don't realise the amount of effort that's gone into getting that mix right. And it uses an enormous amount of science. So, you, you know, you've got some of your luminaries there like uh, Greg Neighbour who are worried about things like airfield porosity. And, and what does that mean mm. to the average gardener? And of course, that's all about making sure that there's enough air in the soil so we've got enough microbial life. And that's where this product really comes into its own, isn't it?
4: Oh, certainly. Look, uh, globally, there's been lots of interest in the future of these products because if you go back 20 or 30 years ago, uh, these growing media or potting mix um, materials and stuff, they were treated as kind of waste, waste Mm. and materials and not understood. So the the influx of science and, and movement to create these wonderful products that are in the retail market now in a big way, They've uh, they've gained popularity and and with the increase in production and sales, you need these new materials to come through to keep us being able to produce these wonderful products. Lots of science goes into it. Yep, lots of science, lots of time, lots of energy, Um, but we've got a really successful product that will start to roll out across the uh, southeast corner of Australia. And indeed, as we get um, more supplies across Australia and internationally, giving this opportunity, we'll bring more of those uh, materials into play in different states.
0: Andrew, just just to uh, make sure that people understand what we're talking about, this is just one of those special ingredients in your potting mixes, right? It's going to be available in all of them. Look, we, we're rolling it out
4: selectively so that we use it in some of our key big lines. So you might find it in things like our uh, premium potting mix, our orange premium potting mix, yep. and then you might see it in some of our selected um, compost products that you might put in to improve your soil, and they're, they're fantastic additions. So if you start to see um, this sort of white fibre, we call it Enfiro fibre. Yep. this is beginning to roll out into a number of our skews so it's it's a great addition
0: there what a, what an amazing um what an amazing demonstration of just how much work you guys put into making sure those potting mixes are right i mean i, I know that it's always been um uh, you know an ambition of of uh of scots and and uh obviously evergreen garden to make mm-hmm. sure that the potting mixes had really well composted organics like this has been a a major mission because one of the great failures of potting mix is having immature organics sitting in it. And um, you you guys set some standards that really are at the top of of the industry. But what that means to consumer is of course this very simple premise and that simple premise being that when they actually get your potting mix, they get results every single time.
4: Yeah, we've got a number of really uh, key suppliers across Australia, from Queensland to Tasmania and across to Western Australia. And with each of those suppliers, they've all got extensive experience and years within the sector of how they bring raw materials in and process them. They all have to go through their own levels of certification. They may have organic certification, or they might indeed have specific Australian standards for composting components. Yep. And that gives us a surety. We go and visit them regularly and we're very very uh, much in contact on a daily basis with each of them to assure that we've got the right products being made and you know they're all delivering really well throughout these very um, unexpected strenuous times with raw material shortages uh, they're all doing a wonderful job and where we have seen difficulty in different states we're coming in with new ingredients such as fiber and um, very thankful to all of these suppliers they're doing a wonderful job to bring innovation and for our company to get access to these materials is fantastic
0: yeah well well done mate look this is what this means to uh, everybody out there that's a, a dead keen gardener is that you are going to get a potting mix that continues to deliver those high standards that you've always got from the osmocote coat potting mixes in the past which is exactly what we all want Andrew, thanks so much for your time, mate. It was a really good insight into this. It's such an important part and something that very few of us recognise or realise when it comes to the amount of effort you guys put into making sure that these potting mixes perform every single time in the garden. Well done.
4: Yeah, great opportunity to talk to you and really pleased that we can introduce Envirofibre. It was uh, roughly about three or four months there where we were trialling this product. I had to keep it low-key, but now it's out there we're doing great things with it. So really pleased to be on the show today.
0: Brilliant, thanks mate. I will look forward to seeing you again, hopefully next week, um, to talk about yep. another amazing innovation coming out of uh, the guys from uh, <laughs> the garden. It's, it's just great work, well done. Thank you, all the best, see you. Bye bye.
2: This show is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. Whether it's a garden, a balcony or potted indoor plants, they want to inspire anyone, anywhere to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com.
0: Fascinating story. You know, it's really such a significant issue at the moment. The amount of organic material that's available to make high-quality potting mix has really been challenged. So this new innovation is a game-changer and it's just typical of the guys at Evergreen. They have just innovated continuously and it's because they put so much work into research and it's guys like Andrew and Greg Neighbour that are just doing so much in that space. That's making such a big difference In your backyard, so that's why we want to share those stories. Now, uh, username. uh, So this is coming from our YouTube channel, Barmy Army. Hello, welcome back. It's you're from the Hunter Valley, and uh, I would first of all like to say cheers. Yes, I am having some pink lemonade this afternoon, but uh, you've been asking a question, which is a really good one, and it's about tomato plants, and that it's not good to compost too many of them. And tomatoes are from the selenium family. And if you're using a lot of them, there's a couple of problems that occur. One is that um, the the old plants, the woody stems don't break down very well. The leaves tend to be diseased. So too much of it, is, tends to be problematic with regards to spreading some of those diseases around that will cause you problems next year when you want to grow tomatoes. So my advice with tomato plants is actually not to put them in your compost heap. I would prefer that you didn't so you don't end up with some disease issues later on, unless you can get your compost super hot. So it's got to be steaming hot and really compost it all the way down because that'll burn out all those bad pathogens. hope that help, helps explain things, Barmy Army. Now, Simon, I'm not sure where you are, but you've asked a question which is a, does need for me to know where you are, and ideally I'd love to know what your grass variety is too. You've got these patches in your grass. It seems to be getting worse, and how do you get rid of it without killing the rest of your grass? Well, it could be one of quite a few problems. You could have a fungal disease this time of the year. There are a number of them that start to appear depending on where you, where you live. And if you're in Perth at the moment, we've had some very, very difficult conditions. Um, and what I mean by that is it's been very, very humid. And uh, that's when you do see a lot of fungal diseases start to take off. So I'm not sure where you are, but if, if, if you're in Perth, that could be it. If you're in South Australia, you've had some very hot weather and your soils can can really cook there. And you could just have some dry patches occurring. So this is where it's really important for you to let us know where you're from because it does help me a bit. My advice to you is that without knowing 100%, I'm not going to recommend you apply fungicides or insecticides. What I would suggest you do is get a wetting agent straight away and soak those patches and try and encourage to make sure the water's getting in there. And then fingers crossed, the grass starts to grow back because we've really got a period of about 12 weeks or so of growing season left for grass so if you've got patches in your lawn we need to fix it now you need to get the lawn to grow back over those patches before the winter comes in because once winter comes in winter seeds will germinate once they germinate your lawn now has a new competitor it has fast growing weeds that love the wet colder conditions and the lawn will be going dormant and that causes big problems long term so Yeah, I'm not sure I can help you an awful lot except for the suggestion of wetting agents. Now, Jola is in Melbourne. Uh, You've got a problem with powdery mildew on lilac leaves, dwarf crepe myrtle, and you've also got rust on your gladys. You've got quite a bit of a fungal problem, and this is very typical of high humidity. Yeah, so humidity can cause these issues to occur. Head to your local garden centre. There are some sprays you can get that you can just spray with the foliage, and and it will help your, your crepe myrtles... Your lilacs, to a lesser extent, are going to lose their leaves. Your gladdies really do need to be treated for rust. It's a really important thing you get on top of that pretty quickly. So into the local garden centre, I hope that helps. Um, garden World would be one spot where I would go because you can get some good horticultural advice and a massive range of uh, of options as well. Wendy is in Blakeview in South Australia. Hello, Wendy. You've had a dragon fruit. It's the red flesh um, and skin and it's in the ground for approximately eight years. It's in full sun, it's well watered and fed, but no flowers and therefore no fruit. What could be causing the problem, please? Well, my dragon fruit is only just flowering now and it'll start setting fruit quite quite quickly, actually, over the next probably four weeks or five weeks. It'll continue to flower, continue to fruit. Interestingly enough, um, the dragon fruit flowers come out at night and mine are pollinated by moths and ants. They're the two key pollinators. But one of the things that occurs with dragon fruit is if you give them lots and lots of water, it tends to produce lots and lots of growth and doesn't need to produce any flower. And what is ideal for them is to get a lot of dry, stressful conditions about a month before you go into um, the, the flowering period. So if you can back the water off your dragon fruit, make sure it's not getting any water, it'll stress it, it'll force it to flower, that'll force it to produce fruit and you'll end up with some grapefruit. And dragon fruit are one of my all-time favourites. I hope you enjoyed today's show. That's it. That's all we've got for you for The Garden Guru's Live This week. Now, Michaela is going to be sending our winners of the Mr. Fothergill's prizes a note very soon and uh, congratulations to everybody for your contribution today. The Garden Guru's autumn season, which we're very excited about, kicks off on Channel 9, starts tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. Remember, you can always jump on to our website. You can catch up on previous stories. It's a wonderful resource. It's thegardengurus.tv. If you want to see some of the stories, the videos, our YouTube channel is also a good way to go. You can also listen back to today's live stream and catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Podbean. And I can't wait to see you again next Friday, 7 p.m., Australian Eastern Daylight Time. I hope that you can join us. I really do. And I hope you enjoy this weekend and this weekend's episode of The Garden Gurus. It's nice to be back. Thanks for your support. Happy gardening. See you soon. Trevor Cochran. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Still and Evergreen Garden Care. Still is Australia's most trusted brand of garden power tools, backed by 95 years of German engineering excellence. To get your hands on their range, visit your local Still dealer today or visit still.com.au. <laughs>
1: Dig, 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 digging around Dig, 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 digging the ground
0: The Garden Gurus is back with a brand new season this weekend. Make sure to check out your local TV guide for your times.
1: I'm feeling good in the ground I got my speed, I got my hole I got my rake and I'm ready to go
4: Digging around